and it's another edition of Automatic, and we are excited here as we are in the month of January, and it is college basketball time now. I know there's been a lot of college football. I get it. NFL's heating up also, but now, Steffi, we're getting closer and closer to March, and this is the time where we start seeing separation from teams, not only on the men's side, women's side. This is when you're going to see the teams that are going to rise and you're going to see some of the teams that have those question marks and are going to fall. But first and foremost, I saw you in the studio this past Saturday on the SEC Network. Your suit game was popping. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. How was that, both on the men's and women's side? Yeah, on a short notice. Uh, that's that was the, <laughs> which you love. That was the I know caveat. you love that, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I watched about fifteen games the day before. You know, I I follow ba- basketball as a whole, but you know, when you're you're giving analysis and predictions and really trying to provide expertise, you got to know what you're talking about. So, just wanted to do a refresher, and uh, you know, it was a you know a twelve hour day back to back Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but Pat Bradley, the Arkansas sharpshooter, he's he's a hoot. He's a hoot he right? was awesome. <laughs> you know, he was really fun to work with. And the men's the men's game, you know, especially that slate with Arkansas Auburn kind of being our our marquee matchup. You know, I was definitely disappointed in what I saw from Arkansas. But yes. you know, given the fact that Auburn plays so well at home, that place slaps. For home games for Bruce Pearl. It does. And they play bet they just play better. Uh play better there. What I learned would be Alabama is for real. Mm-hmm. I love Nate Oates. Yes. Um the, the 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 talented freshman that he has along with the experience with Brandon Miller, you know, in that game, Kentucky slowed him down a little in the first half. But boy, do we see why everyone likes him yes. in the second half, dropping 19 points. Got to be one of the best freshmen, uh, if not the best freshman in the country. No question. And I think Tennessee, who's who's kind of creeping up in the polls, just from the just from the SEC, you know, standpoint, from what I observed, Alabama and Tennessee, you know, Tennessee's finally healthy. You know, they they obviously defend, and I think like right, right now they're just playing really well offensively. And, you know, those are the two, my two takeaways on the men's side after doing studio, watching everybody play. I was like, you know, these two teams clearly have identities and this can kind of, we can bridge to our, our, our next point, which is what I know you want to talk about is what is going on with Kentucky. Yes. What the hell? Um, I'm talking to Pat before we go into studio and I'm like, you know, I've watched several, I've watched Kentucky before having to go into studio, but I watched a couple of games. I'm like, Pat, I. Am I wrong for feeling this way? But I'm not sure what they do and do well. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I don't, you know, I think that they have a lot of good pieces, but they haven't put it all together. And obviously Cal can coach. Yes, it's of course. Not, you know, it's not like of coaching. It's, uh, it's, there's just no real chemistry. They don't shoot the ball particularly well. Obviously they can rebound with Oscar Sheway, but the decision-making, I'm not sure defensively, where they're at, and then South Carolina against South Carolina, they lose. Yes, and I'm like, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised after watching them play, but I know fans in Kentucky are fucking because Jesus, you know, we got the previous national player of the year, got talent around him, and what's going on? What do you think? Yeah, you had Shweebway coming back, you had Severe Wheeler coming back, you had Toppin there, you had some talented players ready to go, and especially the disappointment of losing to St. Peter's, and so was that going to be the motivation from last year, 
and into this year, you come into the preseason top five team and you just haven't looked like a top five team at all. And you talk about, I think one of the main issues, I think it is defensively. I mean, they're last in the SEC in points per possession given up. And you're just not going to win ball games if you can't defend. And especially watching that South Carolina game, I mean, it was embarrassing from my perspective for Kentucky fans just to see South Carolina team who struggles to score. And they didn't have any problem scoring in this game. With the exception of a few stretches, yes, I get that. And Kentucky made their run just because – It's in Rupp Arena. We get all of that. But Coach Calipari, they haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 2019. So that's an issue for Kentucky fans. And then you've got all these rumors swirling around. Is Coach Cal, is he looking at other opportunities, especially when you see a program like Texas? And obviously that's an unfortunate situation with Chris Beard, you know, from that perspective. But it's also... Just the Bluegrass State itself. Look at Louisville. They're 2-14 and 14 right now and 0-5 and in the ACC. And I know it's under first-year head coach Kenny Payne, and they're going to have to rebuild, especially with all of the things that happened over the past couple of years, uh, you know, with the scrutiny and uh, firing the coach, you know, all of that. I get that, but nobody would have ever thought that Louisville and Kentucky at this point in the season would be a combined 12 of 20 overall and one in eight in their conference games combined. One in eight. That's just insane when you look at it from that perspective. So, again, what is going on in the Bluegrass State? And I don't think it's going to get any better for Louisville. Kentucky, I think they still have an opportunity, Steffi, just because they are talented. Uh, I, I, I do think they can pull things together. Not only are they talented, but you've got... Uh, Coach Cal. I mean, we've seen what yeah. he can do from a coaching perspective, but time is running out. I mean, it's we're basically at the middle of January, and they better get things in gear because that's an embarrassing loss to lose to South Carolina, especially in Rupp Arena. Yeah, and you know, watching Cal bench Oscar Sheebway mm-hmm. was pretty surreal. I didn't necessarily uh, for like predict that that was going to happen. Didn't see a sense of urgency for him to want to put him back in the game. I'm speaking on Saturday, not this yes, past game. I know what you're talking about. Um, but kind of kind of strange, but he he's gonna try all kinds of stuff. At this point, you're trying to um, you know, I, I just didn't really see it. I haven't seen a lot of Oscar, you know. Here's the thing. Watching Colin Castleton from Florida, mm-hmm. the ball runs through him. He's such a good passer. He rebounds, he blocks shots. Like he can facilitate a lot of their offense through the post position. I haven't necessarily really ever seen that from Oscar. Especially not this Watching year. Where, That's right. Not this year. Yes. Just even like screening and, you know, get, getting his teammates involved. You know, we know he's great. Two feet in the paint, scoring, getting his own rebound, all that. He, he, he's a beast, right? I got to, I kind of got to also talk about the women because it's the whole state of Kentucky, men's and women's. The women's team, Kentucky is struggling. They haven't won a conference game yet. We're not used to that. We're used to Kentucky. They had Ryan Howard. They won the SEC championship last year. They beat South Carolina. Um, and Louisville w- women's team, I know you love Haley Van Lith. Everybody oh, yes. loves Haley. They're, they're 13 and 5. They're 13 and 5. I mean, they were a favorite to win the ACC. 
I still think they've, you know, they can figure it out. Walls has been pissed at his team a lot. So I, what is in the water in Kentucky? Are they going to figure it out? Because I think basketball as a whole on both sides, men's and women, is better when Kentucky and Louisville are in the top 25. Of course. And making noise. Yes. Uh, yeah. Agreed 100%. And that's what's so surprising, again, just knowing the resources that are behind both programs, Louisville and Kentucky, and on the men's and women's side in terms of we know that it's a basketball state. As much as, yeah, as you can have some excitement with Kentucky on the football side. And I know there was, you know, with Coach Stoops and <laughs> Coach Cal, you know, going at it, which school is a football or a basketball school, but it's a basketball school. We get it. And the whole state is basketball. So that's just surprising to see that this convergence of these programs struggling right now uh, at the same time, you know, from that perspective. And then I think on the flip side, when you look at, at a school that is obviously a football school like Alabama, how is Nate Oates able to do that and have this program on such a rise, knowing that, again, it's a football school. It's not a basketball school, but he's making the Crimson Tide extremely relevant in college basketball and could definitely be one of those teams that can make a run in the NCAA tournament. I, I think so. Just with the way that they play both ends, you yes. know, ov- o- offensively, um, you know, they're, they're just so smooth, so hard to guard, but defensively they can also lock you down. I think they do both well. Like, like, like I said, they have an identity and I think the teams that go far, you look at a Houston, a Kansas, Purdue, these are teams in the top five, right. Um, that have an identity and that goes far because if you're still figuring out who we are, what do we do in February? I think you're screwed. Um, you know, obviously we've seen, we've seen Cinderella's, uh, but it's more of a mid-major, you know, a mid-major team gets hot and they upset teams and, you know, they're able to make a run, um, in, in late March, we, we've seen yes, that right. not on the women's side, but on the men's side. So, you know, I, I, I think Nate Oates, I don't know if you heard his post game. We, we obviously covered it in studio, but he, he, he said something to, uh, uh, Jimmy Dykes about wanting to step on their throats and kill them. <laughs> He's a tough guy. Yes, he is. I love Nate Like, that coach speaks for me. Don't hold anything back, Nate. That that was post-game on ESPN. I I see Jimmy Dykes is just smiling. He's, like, nodding his head. Nobody bats an eye. And I was like, Nate Oates, tough guy. Well, and so – you heard some of that, even this is on the football side, but like Kirby Smart with Georgia after the beatdown that they put on TCU in the national championship game. It's that same type of mindset that, hey, we want to be aggressive and we're we're going out and we're going to put the hammer down. And they obviously put the hammer down. And so I'm even questioning, do we like seeing underdogs in national championship games? And I know TCU, you could – how you define them as an underdog. I I understand that. But against the Blue Bloods in college football, if you want to describe it that way, using a basketball terminology there, the usual suspects, the Georgia, Ohio States, the Alabamas, uh, you know, the the Clemsons recently, do we like somebody coming in there? And then you have just a piss poor matchup in terms of it was not in – it was not entertaining game at all. I mean, it was a dominating, you know, performance by Georgia. So if you're a Georgia fan, yeah, of course, hell yeah, you love that type of game. But just as a casual fan, I don't think it's necessarily good. And 
we've seen, obviously, what you just talked about, upsets in college basketball. And that's why we love March Madness. But I think it's so great because we get to see the upsets early on. But then at the end of the day, hey, it's the best teams that get to the Final Four. Every once in a while, you'll get you know one of those George Mason type of teams uh, or, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe you get a Butler. But hell, Butler had Gordon Hayward and... They almost they took Duke to the wire and you know gave yeah. UConn a tough matchup too. So when you it's just interesting that I think that's why the tur- the NCAA tournament is so special because you can still have a little bit of that early upset, the Cinderella stories, but then at the end of the day when you get to the national championship games, you have some of the best teams and that's why you don't see these blowouts really yeah. in college basketball, at least on the men's side in the uh, NCAA tournament. In the words of my mother, that game so sucked. Uh, it did so suck, yes. Mom. Um, you know, it makes you wonder what Michigan, Georgia would have been like. Yes. Uh, I still think Georgia had... wins, but the, Michigan at least plays them tough or tougher. Yeah. I don't want to get out of my element here comparing college football to college basketball, but to me, uh, you're talking line of scrimmage and a lot more guys – that the it was very clear early on that Georgia was bigger, faster, stronger at almost every position. Maybe not quarterback, but you know Stetson finds ways to just make it happen. Um, but in basketball, I think sometimes if you're a smaller team, there's ways to scheme that to beat a taller team or a quicker team. You know, like it, and you're it's five on five. It's just different, and it's uh, I would have hated if that was our national championship game where it's a blowout. It's it's not fun to watch. And I know everybody there that was there to cover it was probably bummed because they wanted a, a better game and a better showing from Max Duggan and TCU. I mean, Sonny Dykes, the year that they had, I mean, it was a great story. But shit, after the first five minutes, I was like, this is... You knew it was over. Uh, yeah, they. It was, it was very clear. <laughs> they have never seen anybody <laughs> like the Georgia <laughs> on both ends. No. The DBs, the safeties, the wide receivers. Exactly. Um, and that's why, yes, it is different on the college basketball side. I, I get that wholeheartedly because you can have one or two players and they can carry a team. I mean, we're seeing it on the women's side. Caitlin Clark, my goodness. I, I mean, she's carrying Iowa, yeah. you know, from that standpoint. And then even maybe, you know, at LSU, uh, Angel Reese right now, she seems to be that dominant player for LSU and uh, helping Kim Mulkey be that sneaky team right now that I don't think anybody wants to play. I really don't. Uh, just, Mm-mm. you know, what they can do. So it is different. I, I get that. Uh but I, it's just interesting just to see the, the difference in the national championship game, uh, a blowout like that. And hopefully we won't see that uh, on the college basketball side. And I know there's a team like Purdue on the men's side. If you have the opportunity to have a Zach Eady, you're going to run everything through him. And, you know, I think he's showing just the improvement that, going from year to year that I think a lot of people are disappointed that Oscar Schwebe hasn't done the same. Not that statistically Schwebe is much different than last year, but it just seems like he's playing different where Zach Eady, he's playing different, but at a different elite level. I mean, he's averaging almost 22 yeah. points a game and almost 13 rebounds a game and shooting over 60% from the field. Now, granted, yeah, He's a big ass dude. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. right. <laughs> He's a man amongst boys. He is. When I'm watching him yes. play, it's uh, 
he's clear cut for me to be uh, national player of the year. Just the way, obviously, his team's in the top five. You mentioned it, 22 and 13, uh, just dominating, uh, relentless on the boards, blocking shots. You know, he's the rim protector, the anchor for the team. Uh, clearly, when you watch him, the eye test, you know, every kind of test. Oh, it's there. He's winning. Yes. It's, uh, he's winning. So I want to go back to LSU, South Carolina, because there's three, three teams on the women's side that are undefeated Ohio State. They can ball. Uh, they can score. They're very good. Is he coach but, of the year right now? Kevin McCuff? That's a great question. I think between him and him and Mulkey. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing with LSU. They didn't play a power five until December 18th. Yeah. People are questioning okay. that. Oh, they're not and playing anybody. I, I think Kim knew that. I mean, she has been like, I hear it. Like, I know what the schedule is. She, that's how she said she did it at Baylor her second year. And that's that's what they did. So when their first real matchup came against Arkansas, Arkansas was in the top twenty-five. They manhandled them, and I was like, "Shit, okay." You know, Angel Reese comes over from Maryland in the Big Ten. You know, Brenda Freeze. She's always got great post players. Last year, Shakira Austin at Ole Miss. She was a lottery pick. She she was a great player, six-five. Coach O freed her up. Now what we see at Angel Reese, Kim Mulkey let her play free. And she's in, and she's already had 2020 games, and this is against really good competition, really good competition. It's kind of like, it's kind of what we're used to seeing two years ago, Aaliyah Boston. Yeah. Where she was just putting up monster numbers, but Aaliyah, Aaliyah is being quadruple teamed because she doesn't. They, South Carolina doesn't have the shooters that LSU has. That's what makes them different. You know, Angel has the freedom to move. Because she's got Alexis Morris, their point guard. She averages double figures. Flaugé Johnson is a freshman, might be one of the best freshmen in the country. She she's averaging like eighteen, I think, right now in league play. You think about like the, the you got to guard them on the wing. And for Leah, you know, Zaya Cook, you know, you know South Carolina's team. It's been the same. Zaya playing really well, and but they just sit on Leah. I watched, you know, I called their Georgia game where they were down at the half, and I'm telling you, it was like. She's going against three players at a time, so she's 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 ready to peace out. Get let me get this dub. Let me get a national championship. Let me go to the WNBA where there's three seconds in the defensive paint. That's right. Not going to get double teamed. It's one on one. It's not going to be easy, but you're not going to be quadruple team. We're like we can't really see. You know, you know she's she had a double double her last game, but we're not really. She can't move. Yes, yeah, she can't. Yeah. They just sit in the paint, and it's just not. It, I I don't. It's not like I feel bad. It's just schematically what teams are doing, and she's just not putting up numbers. So what Angel Reese is doing is what, you know, having the freedom to move around as dominant as she is. So between McGuff and Mulkey, those are your two. Got to be the conversation for two players, uh, coaches of the year. Yeah, for sure. With and, how they're playing, and when you look at South Carolina and Leah Boston, it definitely seems that. They're understanding that, and are they offensively doing some things differently where everything's not having to go through Aaliyah Boston right now? And is that a good thing that, hey, they don't have to rely just solely on her where maybe they have in the past? And how will that play out as the season progresses? And is it an opportunity where hey, then when it gets crunch time, Aaliyah Boston can take over? It'll be interesting to see yeah. how that plays out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, she's got 10 starters and that's a plus. So it hasn't just been a, a lot of pressure on Aaliyah because 
Camilla Cardoso, who comes in, she's six foot seven. I know. And the guards can just lob it up to her. And, you know, Leah can take a break, but I I still think when you need her, she's going to deliver. I think so too. But yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a wrap. But the way that they defend, like I said, they have an identity. They defend, They they rebound. They will get at least 15 to 20 offensive rebounds. They shoot 50% once they put it back. And they're number one in the nation in defending in like three or four categories. They, they kind of remind me a little bit of Tennessee, where Tennessee defensively just really, like Rick Barnes, non-negotiable. That's you're right. Non-neg- exactly. <laughs> non-negotiable. You're going to defend. They're top five in the, in the nation in, in several uh, def- defensive statistics. It's always, can, can they score with, you know, with the top five teams? And for South Carolina, they just, no matter what, just find ways to win. And that's what I think that number one recruiting class, Sia Cook, Bree Beal, Letitia Mihir, Leah Boston, do. They just win. I don't think, I think they've lost eight games their entire career. That is insane. And I don't know if I will see South Carolina lose until maybe, hey, do they match up again against Stanford in the national championship game? <laughs> that might be the, the only yeah. time. I know, obviously, I don't know. they lost I don't know. last year uh, to Missouri. So um, anything can happen. They'll play, they'll play LSU February 12th, yeah. I believe is the date. But that's in Columbia, in though. That, so it's in Columbia. That does help. Yeah. And then they have the SEC tournament in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. And then also they'll be slated the regional for the NCAA the- tournament. Yes, in Greenville yeah. also. So it's a, they're playing at home, basically. So they've got a much easier path, I guess, when you look at it from that perspective. But that will be a tough matchup against LSU. And at the end of the day, I will not be surprised if Aaliyah Boston has her name right in the mix for National Player of the Year. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, the numbers just, the, the numbers aren't there and everyone is making a case for Angel Reese being, you know, Player of the Year in the SEC. And, and you look at her numbers and the way that they're playing, they're undefeated. You're like, hard to argue. But Aaliyah's Aaliyah, you know, like she, uh, I can't. I just it's 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 very hard because Angel Reese isn't seeing the same defenses that Aaliyah is. And that's it's a tough comparison, but they're great. I mean, I'm excited for that matchup. I actually think I have a wedding that weekend. What the Oh, what the heck? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm missing one one Sunday in studio and it's I think it's that Sunday. I just realized that. I'm not even gonna be there. Oh, that's talk a very about it. important person that's getting married. Uh, it's my cousin. Oh, okay. it's my cousin. Family, She's then. getting married on 30A, so uh, you know, uh, you not go. gonna complain about. Oh that. yeah, no, that's yeah. good. Yeah, 30A, that's good. Yeah, you'll you'll have a good time for sure. And so, looking at then UConn, is it all about them staying healthy? Is that the biggest key for them? Yeah, I mean, you, did you see that they had to cancel a game the other day? Yeah. They don't have seven healthy players. Um, yeah, I just if they can find their health, uh, college game day is going to go to I want to say Knoxville or Knoxville, right, for Tennessee UConn game um, here in a couple weeks on the women's side. So that's going to be great. I think I think Tennessee uh, on the women's side is definitely uh, finding its groove. They got two lottery picks basically with Rakia Jackson and Jordan Horston. They 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 there's always drama uh, around Tennessee. It's just it is what it is. But they're they played the toughest non-conference schedule, and I think that that's helped them. I, I mean, I really do. You know, you look at Alabama on the men's side, and they've got I think four top twenty-five team, uh, t- four top twenty-five wins, and look how well they're playing. You know, being being battle tested says something, and I think Tennessee has when they just didn't win a lot of those games, but now they're starting to play well together. So I think UConn is a Final Four team if they're healthy. I God, think so too. I, I don't. If they only have seven, 
eight players, yeah. you know, they, they've just got to get them in the hyperbaric chamber every day or something exactly. and let them heal. You can't count the Huskies out. They've made the Final Four every year since 2008. I mean, so <laughs> you have to consider them as a, a team that can get back to the Final Four. I mean, it's just the reality of it, you know, from that perspective. And then Stanford and South Carolina would be the other ones that I think would be a lock. And then I think LSU could be that sneaky team that does it. I, I really do. I don't do. think they're sneaky, man. Yeah, maybe they're like not. Six, six or seven in the nation. <laughs> they're undefeated. Their head coach is Kim Mulkey. They're I doing know. a Simone Augustus statue this weekend. Um Gosh, it must mean if you get a if you uh, unveil a statue, you maybe you win a title. You know they did the statue for Asia Wilson. That's right. And South Carolina won the title. <laughs> yeah. Are they going to give Aaliyah a, a statue? I think South Carolina's got some questions. Um, if Aaliyah Boston and company win a title this year, I, I'm I'm curious. It's been really interesting. There's a lot of parity on the women's side. There's uh, games have been fun. You know, I know on the men's side, it's uh, I I think my question is um, the Big East is. The, the emergence of the Big East and how they've been uh, really fun, tough, physical games to watch. Yes. Um, who coaches Texas? That's my other That's pressing question, question right question. now. That's the big question, yes. Because people are chatting and it, chattering about Cal going, Jay Wright. I mean, we, I've yes. heard different names thrown into the mix. And if you're on that team and you hear your, there's a possibility your coach might leave, you know. Of course. Oh, I've even heard Eric Musselman. Out? You know, Arkansas, that his name yeah, is his name's always considered, you know, so, I mean, yeah, it's, and that's a program, Texas, that I don't care who you are. You have to listen. It's Texas. Yeah, you do. I mean, yeah. you just have to listen to, to what they might offer. Uh, just knowing that, uh, that could be a big time opportunity and Texas is still, I mean, they're still a good team. Don't don't forget that yeah. <laughs> you know just, Chris Beard had him playing well yes, for the whole exactly. fiasco. Yes, I, and I know they um, had a you know, it was a uh, they got embarrassed by Kansas State. Even though I mean they still scored over 100 points, also, but Kansas State scored 116. You know against them. A lot that, of defense. Yes, a lot there, of defense. there's not <laughs> that much defense, and I'm okay with some of those games. I like some of those games. Let, let's 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 go after it. The one thing that I also have to speaking of like orange, I have to give a little bit of a shout out. Just to my Clemson Tigers right now, 5-0 and in the ACC. And as we're recording this on Wednesday, January the 11th, they've got a big game in Little John against Louisville, who has obviously been struggling. But Clemson is top the ACC standings. And this is the first time they've been 5-0 and in the ACC since the 1996 season, led by Rick Barnes at the time. So a blast from the past there, uh, leading Tennessee, another orange. But this is a tricky part for Clemson. They've got Louisville uh, tonight, and then on Saturday, they've got Duke. Duke has been struggling. We've seen yeah. just how they have been str struggling uh, without Coach K and just trying to find you know, their chemistry and gelling together as a team. What's going on with the ACC? What's, you know, I know Virginia is always, you know, Tony, Pen Tony Bennett. He yeah. They're they're gonna they're gonna compete, right? So we got, we got Virginia, Miami, Jim Laranega, um, they're playing well, but no Duke, no UNC. I mean, I know UNC fell out of the poll. Yeah, Duke Duke's kind of fluttering a little bit. What's going on with it? What's going on in the ACC? Well, it's a surprise when you have Clemson and Pitt were sitting there at four and zero, and they matched up against each other this past Saturday. Who would have ever thought those two teams would be atop of the ACC standings? 
And I think it's just one of those cyclical things right now. This seems to be a year of parity in the ACC where you're not Mm -hmm. top heavy, which we have typically seen. And conferences go through some of these cycles uh, every so often. And I think this is just one of those years. I just don't know if it's going to be a situation where Clemson can hold on (laughs) to the elite level uh, in the ACC. I I think this is uh, a conference where you will still see the Dukes, the Miamis, the Virginias, and and the North Carolinas. They'll fight their way back uh, to the to the top of the standings in the ACC. They just will. Do you think they have a Final Four contender? Ooh, I don't think so. I don't. Yeah. Maybe. That's what's, so, uh, that's what's so jarring, I think, about the ACC this year is um, usually there's at least one maybe in the top 10, top Virginia 12 that, would, you, that you feel like could be. Yeah, Virginia's right. probably. Virginia would be the one. Favorite. That's right. Yes, just because of Tony Bennett and just because the way they play defense. You know, And now the question is, the on the other side, can they score enough? That's can be, you know, the problem. And they're just inconsistent offensively right now. But overall, yeah, I don't see a Final Four team from the ACC. I just don't. And we obviously saw two of them last year with Duke in North Carolina. So I, I think this could be a stark difference from what we saw last year. Before we close up shop, I do think, if I'm Coach Cal, a refresh, restart at Texas is not a bad idea. It's not. I agree. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes a, a different um, a change of scenery. New scenery. Yes. Going from blue to burnt orange. That's right. It's not. And you know how the Kentucky fans are. I mean, he's been there for 14 years, and could this be just a time that hey, it's now time to move on? We accomplished a lot of great things, and now just move on. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So. If Texas does come calling, he's got to listen. He has to. Yeah, it's it's that type of program. You know? So yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea if I'm Coach Cal. Yeah, I don't either. Well, well, hopefully we'll, we need to get Coach Cal on here and let him uh, tell us we'll his side him. of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let you tell him, hey, Coach yeah. Cal, this is what you need yeah. to do. I'll be your agent, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, that is it for another episode of Automatic. And as always, thanks for listening and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. This is Automatic.